celebrate and enjoy the good things God is doing, even if you had the worst week you ever in your life, it's good to enjoy someone else's breakthrough and blessing. I do believe that has an effect of it then creeps up on you. And uh, we all want to enter into the things that, that God is doing. So I'm going to ask Matt if you just come and quickly share. A team went to your dad's church last Sunday night. And uh, just give us one of the stories from there. Yeah, we had a great time last week. Um, a team of us, including Mark and uh, Chris, sorry, Matthew, and sorry, I always do that, and uh, Natalie and a few other folks, Suki and Kat, and uh, lots of people were there anyways. John was there, and we, uh, we went to my dad's church, and we led some worship, and um, at the end of it, we gave some words for... Uh, for healing, and we asked people to come forward, um, and, and people came forward for prayer, and I'm still waiting to hear, actually. I'm sure there'll be testimonies this morning, but uh, one of the things I heard this week was um, on the Sunday night, um, Jan McFarlane gave a word for someone with fibromyalgia, and uh, I did ask, does everybody have fibromyalgia, and nobody put their hand up. Um, fibromyalgia, I don't know exactly how it's caused. I know that my father-in-law has it, but... Um, Basically, you constantly have pain in your body, and there's a lot of tiredness. Nick's nodding his head, so I must be right. Um, and uh, so anyways, during the week, my dad came home after being at a sort of joint church meeting, and it turns out that one of the ladies from the Baptist church had been at our Sunday evening meeting and um, had had fibromyalgia until we started praying, and God had completely healed her of everything. And yeah, amazing. She said that she, as soon as we started to pray for people, she felt this lightness come into her legs, and she was kind of like, okay, I don't know what that is, but, and then after the, the service, there was tea and coffee, and she said that she um, could hold the, the teacup without shaking, and it was the first time she, she was able to do that, that she can remember, and um, she, you know, usually when she pokes her legs or whatever, it really hurts, but she's got no pain whatsoever, it's all gone. Oh, thank God. Fantastic. Sarah, I'm going to do a little interview with Sarah. This is a slightly different story, but very powerful. Um, so Sarah went on a train journey back from London, and you got yourself in a carriage, and there was two women sitting behind you. Yeah. You must tell us a bit about them. Yeah. Um, so I've been in this uh, station waiting to get my train, and these two ladies with Tourette's syndrome, which is this thing where you scream well when it's extreme you scream and swear all the time um and they'd been on the platform with me and then I felt God really stir me that this wasn't what he wanted for their lives um and then when we got on the train they were sitting right behind me as well which was like, oh great yeah good um so how often were they swearing it was like every 10 seconds like constant basically screaming and flailing and that was getting a lot of attention, as you can imagine. <laughs> so what did you do? Um, well, I felt totally convinced that God had something for them and also totally scared. <laughs> so um, I went out of the carriage into the toilet on the train and prayed for about half an hour. <laughs> and I also rang Kat and said, Kat, what do I do? <laughs> so um, basically waited on God till I felt um, totally 
full of the spirit and drunk enough to go and do something crazy like talking <laughs> to people who are screaming. So um, I went back into the carriage and I went and squeezed myself in next to these two ladies and um, basically just started talking to them and um, kind of talking to them about Jesus and asked them if there was anything they wanted from God because I felt he wanted to give them something good. Um, and at that point, one of the ladies in particular got really quite angry and quite defensive and said she didn't want anything from Jesus. The other lady was, I think, kind of more interested. Um, but in the end, I, I had to leave them because they, they didn't really want anything and they were still kind of quite agitated. But as I walked away, um, for about five minutes after I left, they changed from swearing quite obscenely to shouting Jesus. <laughs> um, so for the next five minutes in the carriage, um, these ladies were just going like, Jesus, and like flailing all over the place. So I was like, oh, that would be great if that continued. But eventually it did go back. But that was, that was great. That's just awesome. That's just amazing. <laughs> That's courage. That is absolute courage. And we really need to encourage Sarah and anybody else stepping out of that. But the second thing is, we've, been, we've talked about this, the way we influence people because we're from heaven. You know, we have dual citizenship. Earth and heaven lives in you at the same time. And when you connect to people like that, you actually, all right, it wasn't permanent change, but Sarah affected them. <laughs> Somewhere deep in the mess that was going on in their head, what came out was Jesus all over that carriage. And it was very full, wasn't it, the carriage? So we need to celebrate that. that. That We've been talking about it, but that's an example of the way we are influencers of the atmosphere around us. We carry something that changes people. Right, we're not being contaminated by the world. We're contaminating the world with something really good, with the presence of God. And that's a real great example. So we want to celebrate those kind of things. They're so good. Isn't it good? Well done. Just well done, Sarah. Fantastic. A um, couple of little comments before we get into the, the talk, the preach today. Um, I was just str- I absolutely love that new song we're singing um, the, about the love of God. And there's a line in it, is, is your love is furious. And, and, and I think it's fab, but I think particularly in Scotland it could be totally misunderstood because God is seen as this angry God. Uh, by many people and you know God's just he's full of love but what it looks like is anger and fury that isn't what the line means uh, so I hope you're not all kind of thinking his love is deep his love is wide you know you're getting really into joy and then suddenly oh it's totally ticked off with me no that isn't what the words are trying to describe they're trying to describe the passion uh, of the love of God and if you've not seen it I'd recommend you get a video watch a video called Furious Love it's the follow-up to Finger of God. It's a, it's, a, it's a Christian kind of documentary. And it's just about how the love of God, if you like, is furiously invading dark places. And people are getting delivered from all sorts of horrible, dark, and controlling things. That's what it, it means when we sing about the furious love of God, all right? He's not cross with you today in love. He's, he's jealous and passionate. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a powerful love that, that is actually... His fury is with darkness and nasty things, and his love sort of drives him to deliver people. Is that okay? So just in case you're getting the wrong message in that song. I'm like, oh, it's fury. I kind of understood that and suddenly realized there might be people in the room that are thinking, 
ah, God's crossing me today. That's, that's not the message. And, and, and secondly, just, just know there's n- new folks around and have been around for a few weeks and it's just great to have you with us. And our small groups are very open. You know, you don't have to go through 15 stages of checking you out. You can just show up. And we'd, if you want to connect more with who we are, then that would be a great way of doing it. We're also planning a kind of a, a new a new person's lunch uh, in a few weeks' time, which we'll give you more details about, just to give you a lunch on a Sunday and have a natter about who we are and how you make better connection with, with Hope Church. So it's dead exciting to have new people around. We love it. And uh, welcome again, again and again. And uh, we just want to try and do the best job we can of, of making it easy for you to hang around and find out what we're like. All right, hopefully you keep liking us. That would be cool. Um, all right. This is a message that I have been going to preach for ages, but never really felt the freedom and, and to do it. And, and uh, just wanted to be sensitive with what God was doing with us and is doing with us. Uh, and yet, talking as a leadership team, it, it kind of, I'm trying to summarize several conversations is, Effectively, we'd better hurry up and t- do this talk because if you leave it too long, because it's about money, all right? And what tends to happen in church is you only get talks about money when we really need it. And, and people feel like, oh, here we go. We, there's a talk about giving and, 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 uh, and there's an offering coming. Now, at the minute, we don't need a lot extra money and there's not an offering coming. All right, but I just know if I just leave talking about this over and over, by the time we get around to it, there'll be something. Oh, and by the way, so, okay, just so so you know, um, and hopefully this this, I feel God gave me a fresh insight on giving, and and as we go through this, that it will help us not be offering for need centered when we give any case. I actually think there's a higher level that God wants to take us into in terms of how we approach giving finance. Uh, that If we can embrace this, will mean maybe we never have to have a special offering again. But I'm not promising anything. Okay. Um, if you just want to turn... I'm, I'm, it's going to be quite scripture-packed. So if you want to grab a Bible or, or dial up your Bible on your... Uh, intelligent phone, I've just two days ago entered the iPhone age. Oh, man. I need a sozo, I tell you. Just, I synced it with my contacts on my Outlook on my laptop, and my contacts list on my Outlook thing is totally messed up, so I ended up with, like, people who have long since lost contact with having like 16 entries on my iPhone, all repeated, the same name, the same number. So I've got an iPhone with almost zero storage now because it's got 5,000 names and most of them are the same person. So <laughs> I have some way to go. All right, if you found a Bible, we're, in Revela- we're going to do a few verses just to kind of set us up. <clears throat> so I'm not going through our passage, but I'm trying to give us a big picture about giving. So Revelation 5 Verse 11 is where we need to go. And then we're going to go to the Old Testament's Testaments. There's only one of them, the Old Testament, Proverbs 3. Let's go to Revelation 5, first, verse 11. <clears throat> it says, then I looked, it's not normally a, a verse that preachers use about giving. Oh, 
title. For those of you that load, people like titles and it gets stuck on the website. So I don't know which one to go with. Either God logic with money or honor the root of giving. Okay, who likes God logic with money? Who likes honor the root of giving? Oh, it's even split. You decide, Simon. It's okay. <laughs> this is the failure of democracy, isn't it? <laughs> All right, Revelation 5. Then I looked, verse 11, Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. It's no surprise that we start to be aware of the angelic the more we press into his presence because in his presence there is angels everywhere. Anyway, that's not the point. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Just notice in there that, that Jesus now ascended, glorified in heaven, is worthy not just to receive glory and honor but also wealth which is weird. I'll explain why in a minute. And turn to Proverbs 3 uh, and 9 and 10. I'm reading the ESV. <laughs> it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Notice what he's saying you do with it, with your money. You honor him. Honor him. And last verse for now is Exodus 25. You're ahead of me. <laughs> Exodus 25, uh, verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution or an offering. Right? No, it's take for me a contribution for, from every man whose heart moves him. Refer to that again as we took up our offering. It's really important to us that our giving comes from our heart, not from some kind of constraint thing. Um, for every man whose heart moves him, and you shall receive the contribution for me and this is the con so so far he hasn't talked about what it's for he just said take up an offering for me for God according to how everybody's heart moves them and then he said and this contribution that you give shall be gold silver bronze etc etc and let them make a sac me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst now I don't know if it's occurred to you certainly occurred to me why is God why should we give God wealth. I can understand why we give him praise and why we give him you know, verbal honor and why we kind of lay down our lives to serve him. I can, I can kind of mentally compute those kind of ideas, but in that list of things that the angels are singing is, is it actually this glorious, exalted Christ is worthy to receive wealth. And it doesn't make any sense. Depending on how you look at it, he doesn't need it because there are no banks. He's got nothing to buy because he needs nothing. The Bible tells us that he has 
he owns the world, the whole planet, everything is his, and there are riches in glory in heaven. So God doesn't need a penny. But he's worthy to receive wealth. Does that not strike you as odd? Now, he doesn't need our praise and he doesn't need our worship. God isn't needy of anything. He's not incomplete in himself, but he's blessed by our worship. We can please him. That doesn't mean that he's needy. That just means that he's a person that we have a relationship with and our our honor of him and our worship affects him. Our faith affects him. His faith pleases God. All right, so God's affected by our actions. That doesn't equal that he's needy. But there's something that if we can get this, this is how God speaks to me. I find these things that I don't understand and then I say, how do you, what does this mean then? Why do you need money? You don't need, he doesn't need money. He's worthy to receive it, but he doesn't need it. Are you, are you in my dilemma yet? Because you need to be in the dilemma to understand the next bit. Um, it's worthy to receive power and wealth, wisdom and strength. He has all power. He has all wealth. He has all wisdom. He has all strength. But he's worthy to receive them. Hmm. He owns it all, but we're supposed to give it to him. Why? Because, okay, this is the beginning of the answer. The answer's in Proverbs 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth. You know, we're, not, we're not supporting God's... He doesn't need our support. We're not actually giving to need. We're not giving to need. He doesn't have a need. We're giving for another reason. But in our, in our culture, and, and most of church giving is based around giving to a need. Yeah, because we have needs. And, you know, if you watch uh, Children in Need or, you know, Red Nose Day or whatever, ever, you know, up come all the pictures of the people that are suffering and the projects that need financing and on we go, on we go. And, and then millions is given to a need. And, and that's wonderful. I'm not knocking that. But there's clearly a need, so you kind of draw out of your whatever resources you have and you give to the need. And we do it in church. We paint the picture. We say, you know, we need this building. If we don't have it, you know, then this will happen. If we do have it, then this will happen. And isn't it great that God wants to give us a building? Or we need this staff, or we need this, and we need this stuff, and we need... And people go, whoa, I think that's a great idea, and give money to it. But the root, Forgiving to God isn't need-based because he doesn't need it. He doesn't need my money, but he wants me to give it to him. Are you, are you getting it yet? He doesn't need anything, but he wants it. 
He wants it to come from a place where, so I think the root of, of, of biblical giving isn't need-centered, it's honor-centered. We honor the Lord with our giving. So we give to him not because he needs it, but because we give him, because we have value for who he is in our heart. So he's not there going, oh, I don't know how to do all these projects I've got, even, you know, heavenly thing, I need, I've got too many angels, I need to build new angel houses. <laughs> Come on, church, cough up. He doesn't even go, you know, I need to build new church buildings down here on earth. Come on, you know, he can make money appear in fishes' mouths and multiply. You know, God can do all that stuff. is no problem to God. So why is he asking for our stuff? He's not, first of all, looking for us to be need-orientated. He's looking for us to be worship-orientated. He's looking for us to have such a poise and position in our hearts, such a, an appreciation of him, that what bubbles out of us is generosity to him. See, we tend to think, well, this is where we can end up anyway. Well, I won't give to that because I don't really need it. Or that we've missed the point of biblical giving. We give to God not because he needs it, but because he's worth it. We give to God from what's happening in my heart, not what the need is. Right, so we don't give according to the need, so, oh, it's a big need, I'll find more. We give according to our appreciation, love, and honor that's bubbling out of us on the inside. Is this, is this kind of, it's getting there, aren't we? So we give first to God who has no need. So we're giving to honor first. We're giving to bless. And this can happen in life. You know, you have friends, you buy them nice presents. And you can have wealthy friends and you still buy them presents. Why? Because you're expressing appreciation. You know, your generosity to them is not rooted in their perceived need. Yeah? We've got older, older parents, Teresa and I, and, and they're in that sort of stage of life. They're not Neither of them are particularly wealthy, but they just kind of don't feel like they need anything. And they're always telling us, don't buy us anything. But because we love them, we want to give them something. So it's not because they need a new... It's because we value them that we want to bless them. And I know one set of parents, we actually valued them so much, it was a particular celebration. We bought club together as, as sort of offspring and bought this amazing garden set of furniture hardwood furniture with a canopy, a table. And we just wanted to bless them. They never used the blooming thing. <laughs> it was too valuable to leave in the garden. It's been in the garage ever since. <laughs> and they still sit on these two old plastic chairs with a sort of slightly worn out cushions in the sun. And you're like, And you can get really utilitarian about this because you think, oh, why do we bother? No, no, no. And actually, you know, it was good that we did that. Because actually in us, as family, is we wanted to bless and honor our parents. Now, they didn't get it, but that's okay. Something was happening in us. 
And this is incredibly liberating because in Christian circles, we give to... You know, actually, when we give to God, which I'll get to, you do give to things, but things don't always work well. And you can end up thinking, well, I wasted my giving because the thing I gave to didn't work out how I thought it would. Yeah? Because you can have a utility value to our giving, not an honor, worship value to our giving. Whereas actually, once you've given it to God, that's the end of the story. Because you gave it to Him. And He was blessed when you did it. So this, is, this has profound implications. It can set some of you free, because some of us have all, we've all done it, we've all given to things that, blew my neck, I shouldn't have given money to him when I found out what he did. But if, actually, if my heart was to give it to God, well, I'm still in blessing, and so is God. Hello? It's giving what we value actually expresses our true heart value for Him. All right, so not just our words, but when we give what we truly value, that shows God how much we really value Him. We're demonstrating our true value by what, when we part with things that we value. So, explain this. Yeah, we'll get there. When we get too linked to need as a motivation to give, everything becomes linked to the objective. And this, I've seen... I've been a church leader a long time and I've been through million pound building offerings. I've been through, we need money to pay staff. I've been through it more times than, than I care to remember. And seen some amazing offerings and some incredible breakthroughs and pe- God's people are amazing at responding. But I've observed something is that people end up more excited about giving to Joe Blog staff member or giving to Million Pound Building than they are about giving to the God that it's all for. And, the, and, and suddenly foreground becomes the need, not the God. Not God. And we get all excited about buildings. We get all excited about projects. We get all excited about staff and we get all excited and, and money comes in because people are switched on because they can see it. They can taste it. They can, they can poke Joe Blog staff member. They can walk through the door of Million Pound Building. You know, they, they, These are tangible results. So I gave that money and now look at this. Woo! And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's a higher way. Is that we give to honor him. And what we give to him represents the value we have for him. So if you're struggling to give anything out of your resources, whether they be money, your emotions, then there is a value problem in your and my heart. So worship is the same. All right? So this is, you come into worship and you feel crap. Anybody ever, ever done that? Yeah. Glory. You come into worship and you feel crap. So here you are, everything in you says, 
probably I'd rather be in bed or reading a paper. And yet, he's worthy to receive. Your emotional energy is valuable. And on a bad day, you feel you need all of it for yourself. Is, is that true? You think, I'm just holding in here. You speak to less people, you smile less. D- 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 depends on your personality type, I know, but that's the way I work, kind of close in a little bit because I'm feeling low and everything I've got I need. But then so let's all praise God and you're like that's going to take some energy <laughs> and I'm barely surviving on the energy I have. Anybody? He's still with me, still with me. Okay, okay, on and goes, well God, I've only got this but I'm going to give it to you. That's why in Hebrews 13 it says, let's give God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips. You go, you're so worth it, and I deep down value you, that I'm going to give you everything I have. So I lift my voice, I lift my hands, and I praise you, God, because my praise for you is not centered in my resources or my circumstances. It's centered in my value for you, which is focused on who you really are. And he never changes. He's always glorious. Money's the same. I've got none. But what I have, I give because of value. God knows. He knows what's on the, in our hearts. He's not fooled at all. You can fool me. You can fool your neighbor, you can fool your husband, you can fool your kids or your wife, you can fool your friends, but you can't fool him. He has a constant readout of the st- condition of your innards. <laughs> so to honor, which is what it says to do in Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor means to estimate or fix a value on. How much do you value him? How much do you honor him? How do you express honor? You express it in worship. You express it in giving wealth to the wealthy one. Because we give because we honor him, not because he needs it. Are you getting this? You give because he's worthy. So what we do with our money reflects the true level of value we assign to God in our hearts. So when you're having a bad time, you give less. It's just, you can watch church, you know, when the church is having a bad time, the church is in a bad mood, you can watch the curve of church income, you can watch the curve change at Christmas. It always goes down, and summer holidays usually always goes down. Is God any less, less worthy? Worth less? No. But it's holidays. The thing with physical projects is we can get motivated out of the value we have for those things. So I love the church to have a building I'm going to give. Now, again, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying we need to lift something higher, which is we value him above any project. He's worth, 
You know, even if there's no project, he's worth it all. Do, do you see? Maybe. We're getting there. And as leaders, we often work hard at selling the things. You know, this is good to give to. And I'm not knocking that. I just believe God's calling us as a church to have a sincere and pure devotion to Christ above all things. That blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, is not first about holiness, but it's about singleness. It's about a genderless longing for Him. I think that's what a pure heart does. And, and I mean, so, <laughs> the Treadgold set me off on this. They're talking about crazy stuff, like having relationships with no agendas. <laughs> and I'm like, Every time they say it, something goes weird on the inside of me. Do you have those moments where your brain is calm, but your insides are going... See, as a leader, I have loads of relationships that are full of agendas. And I've started to realize God relates to me with no agenda at all. So I go out, I screw up, still loves me. Because he's not loving me to change me, he's just loving me. And he's not going to love me more when he's changed me more. You know, it's like, I give you a bit of love now. When you get better, you get a bit more love. <laughs> Which is kind of how the world can work, isn't it? You know, I give you a little bit, you do better, I give you some more. That's not how God works. He just loves you, whole thing, whammo. And you're like, whoa, you mean I can go do something rubbish? Well, you can and then you come back, yeah, you do. And then what does he do? He gives you the whole thing again, whammo! He's looking for a people that love him like that. And love one another like that. I just love you because I love you. Not because I want you to do something for me. I want you to change. I want you to be different. I want you to give. I want you to serve. I want you to lead. I, want you, I just love you. Just like hanging out with you. Because that's how God is with us. Had a bad week? He loves hanging out with people who've had a bad week. Totally loves it. Had a disastrous life? You are just the person God loves to hang out with. You mean 30 years of absolute garbage, yet he's showing up with his furious love all over you. And that's how he wants us to give to him. Agenda-free giving. That would be amazing. I think I've seen something amazing and I'm still going, <laughs> So it means we're more excited about Him than the project. Yeah. We're more focused on Him than building a building. We're more focused on Him than doing some great stuff. Giving reflects our recognition. I'm just trying to split this up a little bit. So he's great, he's worthy, we all know that in our heads as Christians. But how much we really truly recognize that and have been changed by that is reflected in how we behave. 
All right, so I'm sure most of you in this room, I wouldn't need to convince that God is great, he's holy, he's mighty, he's worthy, blah, blah, blah. You could say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But how much you're recognizing that is reflected in what you actually do. Hello? So we give not just because he's worthy, we give because we recognize that he is. Can you, can you? See, in our culture, we, we go to school and we learn loads of stuff. We pass an exam and then we've forgotten it. But we thought we learned it. We thought we knew. You guys, we thought we knew. I thought I knew calculus once, but I've never used it in the last 30 years. I could differentiate an equation with the best of them. Now I wouldn't know what one looked like. And unless you're in that line of work, for most of us, it was a tool to pass an exam. But we learned it. No, you didn't. So we, we, we can live a double life where we know things that really don't touch us. But actually, we know the greatness of God when it touches. We truly know in a biblical sense when it starts to affect how we are, who we are, and what we do. And the extent of our abandonment reveals the, rev, the true revelation we carry individually of his worth. Which is why God isn't after givers who are under compulsion. Because that's an external pressure to produce a result that looks the same but isn't. He wants giving from hearts that are truly surrendered to him, not responding to law, which is a different thing. say another thing here. When we truly surrendered all our lives to him, that's given him everything we have, who we are. He, we've given him the right to direct us, to lead us, to have our possessions, do with them as he wills. We've come to a place of valuing him in the ultimate sense. Let's say that again. when we have truly surrendered all of our lives to him and by that I mean given him everything given him everything the right to direct us to lead us and use our possessions as he wills we have come to a place of valuing him in the ultimate sense Total surrender expresses total value. And inside of that comes trust. You can't surrender to someone you don't trust. But if you value them, you trust them. They're not, you can't separate. That's why when you get dishonor in a relationship, trust falls down because the value you have for the person is linked to the trust that you have for them. You're getting this. So actually, when I talk about, you know, I've given my whole life to Jesus, well, what I've done is I've given as much of it as I can see to as much of him as I have value for.
It's great that you're expressive because it helps me. I've got to say it again. All right, so I've given my whole, everything I have to Jesus over and over again, and that's not stupid. It's just I realize over time there's more of me I've got to give away. I, there's more stuff I realize he didn't have. Uh-huh. And I can only give it as my revelation of him expands. Because as I get him and allow my heart to value that, I can give more away. That's why it's important. (laughs) That's why you give more away when God shows up. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you suddenly get generous. It's all through Acts. Holy Spirit shows up, oh, they give money away. Why is that? Because your heart's being changed. You suddenly see God, you're changed, you give money. That's the, that, it just happens that way. If it's not happening that way, then something's, there's a connection missing somewhere in the process. So beholding Him, encountering Him, you know, those of us, it's just, we just keep encouraging us to encounter God. So it's not just a mental process, but we have encounters with Him. It's going to affect our value of him, which then affects the way we live and what we give. Because we love him, we value him, we honor him. Are you getting this? Hmm. And when we give to God, although there is no bank account in heaven where you know, he takes your tithe and he goes, Whoa, that's Andy Merrick's money. I'm going to stick it in a bank account and I'm going to look at it because that tells me how much he honors me. There's, there's, no, there's no way that he sort of processes your pounds and makes them sort of heavenly pounds. And he doesn't go out on a spending spree and have a slap-up meal with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Whoa, great, the tithes are in. It doesn't work like that. But there is a transition what you give that's physical becomes spiritual if you give it to him. So Paul puts it like this in Philippians 4.18. He says, I'm well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Something happens as you give money, it transitions into a heavenly fragrance that blesses the heart of God. Ooh. Cool, eh? So you put some money in the offering this morning, God's going, hmm, I love the smell of your money. (laughs) Oh, it smells so good in this place. What is it? It's all that money in the offering basket. It's just gone up to heaven as a sweet, fragrant aroma. Ha. That's cool, isn't it? You can bless God with a fiver. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. I thought that was a good point. Anyway. Now, I know that messes with our head. All right, remember, one of the titles is God's Logic with Money. That doesn't make sense, but it works. It's in the Bible, it works. And if that works, the exciting bit is, if that works, it works the other way as well. Ooh. Ooh. So just imagine for a moment, there's, there's this kind of, there, there's this imaginary line about here. All right, illustration, not real, illustration, okay. Down here is where we are, earth, and up here is heaven. 
okay? Where God is. And you stick your fiver in the plate, a little door opens and a smell goes up and he goes, hmm, I love Andy's fiver. He's so blessed me because he expressed that value in his heart for me. Yeah? That, but this is a two-way door. <laughs> See, Paul writes the same bit in Philippians 4.19. He says, you've given all this to me down here. Whew, that's been a fragrant offering, smelling great to God. He says, my God is able to meet all your needs according to... Now, that's a useless statement if all the riches in glory in Christ Jesus can't come from being riches in glory in Christ Jesus and manifest down here. Hello? So he's saying, my God's going to meet your physical needs according to his spiritual riches in heaven. The door swings two ways. You get some sweet aromas going up, you get some sweet fibers coming down. And they're connected. So God has the ability to transition physical money into actual worship that blesses him. And he has the ability to take the resources of heaven and transition it to earth so that we don't need to worry about bread and rent and mortgage. and Yeah, because my God will meet all of your needs according to what? His earthly bank account. He doesn't have one, but he's got a massive riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So if it can go up, it comes, can come back down. There's a conversion rate. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9 puts it like this, is that your God, is, as you give generously, it says God will make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, Whoa, that's a doorway swinging pretty wide. So as you give upwards, it releases him to give downwards. He releases this thing called grace on your money. I'd like some of heaven's grace on my money. That's, that's divine favor. Wouldn't you like some divine favor on your cash? Well, we give up, he gives down. We, that's the process. Actually, giving to God releases God to give money to you. And there isn't time to unpack that whole teaching here. That's not my purpose. But that is how it works. Um, and I'll leave you to read uh, 1 Corinthians 9 at your leisure. Ah, good stuff. Now, this kind of given isn't governed by our circumstances. So time for some more Bible. You turn with me to Acts 11. just going to read at, at 27 to 30. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Well, this is a crazy thing. So some prophet 
shows up, and he prophesies, he, he predicts a famine that is to come. All right? I'm just trying to explain the passage to you. So a prophet shows up, they believe him. Whoa. Church is supposed to believe prophets. That's a revelation. And, but what you need to hear, what is prophesied is that over the whole Roman world, there's going to be a famine. Where are they? They're in the Roman world. They are. As are the people they bring the offering to. So there's a prediction of there's a need coming. There's a famine coming. There's lack is going to arrive over the whole Roman world. What do they do? They take up an offering and send it to their brothers in Jerusalem who are also in the whole Roman world, knowing that shortage and lack is about to arrive on their house as well. Do you see? So it's not like, well, <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not in the Roman world. We'll give some money to those poor Romans. It's like we're in it too. What's their instinct? It's to give with impending lack. They weren't circumstantially driven. They were honor-driven. They were generosity-given. They were heart-driven. They weren't first thinking, well, how are we going to cope? They were like, let's go bless them because we know if we swing the hatch that way, then that opens it for God to swing it back this way when our need comes. So, you know, we, we have been in a recession. We've had a credit crunch. You know what? It's really good. <laughs> Trees have phoned up when some of this was breaking out. We, we, uh, we give our tithes and some to the local church and then we also give to we sponsor kids like we do it through World Vision and we put up the compassion stuff here last week and she phoned up and we just felt we should do this so it was tight but we thought we want to sponsor more kids not less because it's a difficult time so she phoned up uh, and they said oh uh, what are you ringing for I said well, I, I want to change our giving. Oh, right, because everybody's ringing up to cancel. And she says, no, we want to do two more. I thought that was cool. had a prophetic word when I went to Teesside. I'm, I'm just sharing personal example to try and illustrate what we're talking about here. Because yeah, our instinct is, oh, it's getting tight. Let's get tighter. Whereas actually what these guys are doing next is, it's going to get tight, let's give some away. That's, that's God logic right there. That's honoring him above what's happening in our circumstances. Um, had a prophetic word for the church in Teesside when we visited. I knew they were short of money, and I just gave it to them and their elders to weigh what they did with this, and they're crazy enough to have gone and done this. Basically, what I said is, you don't need to be Agabus, prophet, to know the tough times coming to Teesside. It's one of the biggest areas of government employment, 
in the UK and you know all the cuts and everything it's going to affect potentially affect them hard as I said I believe God's calling you to take up an offering as a church and give it all away not something that's for your own needs but to give it away and then God's going to break through something in your own even change the climate of the economics around you here's a church with a deficit with a prophecy that says actually you should take up an offering and you use none of it for yourself you give it away and they, they already have need they can see need is coming because of the downturn etc and some joker shows up and prophesies they're supposed to have an offering that they give away so they go away and they, they weigh it and they decide they're going to do it and they tell the church it was the second biggest offering they've ever had so I think their biggest ever was 45 grand and they had a 40,000 pound offering just to honor God and give it away wow no, it's not kind of wealthy church, but they're still, they're still figuring out where to give this money away because they want to do what they felt the Lord spoke to them. That's giving to honor. That's giving to God first. So, well, we don't. And that, that's kind of putting it right in the center of it's not needs driven. It's about Him. I believe if we learn to give like this, we'll never have any need. We won't be saying, oh, you know, we need some more money to get staff out, or we need some more money for the, you know, if we learn to give out of our value for him first, boy, it's just going to roll in. And we'll have all that we need to do all God has called us to do. And we won't be affected by credit crunches and <coughs> recessions, and because, because God is releasing grace on our money. And I've got lots of stories where we've seen that happen in our, our own life, and, and I'm not going to take the time to do that now, but it actually works. Giving to honor works. Now, obviously, you can't make a check out, put it in an envelope, and write it to P.O. Box Heaven. Yeah? So I'm talking a lot about giving to God, but actually we give to God by giving on earth. Yeah? So... And this is, this, is the, this is really weird, and we're going to finish with the weirdest bit, okay? Is that all right? Um, probably not time to read the story. See, there's a really powerful giving story in Acts that nobody ever preaches from because people die in the offering. But when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit inspires the Bible writers, the narrative speeds up and slows down according to the importance of the event. So suddenly, you know, you've got a lot of time given to people getting whacked in the Spirit and speaking in tongues, and you get, then it kind of moves on, and then some other event, and then they, they all, they'll have one line about there's no needy person amongst them, and then it slows right down to two people who mess up their offering. That takes a lot of time. And you think, hmm, why don't we preach that? Because they end up dead. And no one likes to talk about dead things. Especially not in the offering. I mean, like, we just take up an offering, three people died. Oh. But maybe it's there for a reason. Maybe we should think about it because it, the narrative slows for a, a purpose. And one of the things it's telling us, and you just have to read it 
for yourself is Ananias and Sapphira. And, and what they've done is they've sold a field. Everybody's selling fields and houses and bringing the money, putting it at the church leader's feet. And it says there's no needy person among them, which is really, really exciting. See, honor giving gets rid of need. Need giving, you've always got another need. Think about that. The, so they bring that, and people are doing that. And this couple decide to sell a field and actually keep some of the money and put the rest into the church. And what, but what they s- pretend is that the church is getting all of it. And they die. See the Bible. What does Peter say to us? He says, you have lied, not to me, not to the church, which is where the money was coming in, but to the Holy Spirit. Hey, eh? I just thought I was lying to Peter. That's easier to get away with than lying to God. But God identifies his church with himself. So when Paul gets knocked off his horse and gets converted, Jesus says to him, why are you, Paul, Paul, why are you, Saul, Saul, rather, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, well, you're in heaven. I'm not doing anything to you. I'm just chucking your followers in jail. But the church is so associated with the Christ whose body we are that doing stuff to the church is the same as doing stuff to him. Okay, got that? So if you want to give to him, then give honestly to him. We are him on the earth, on the planet. Did, that, did you get that? I need to stop. So we give into the storehouse of the church, first and foremost. That's where our tithes and offerings first of all come, because that's how we honor him. We give into him. Now, there's other kinds of giving that can happen, and the purpose of today is not to unpack all tithes and offerings in all different directions, but there needs to be a fundamental honoring of God through honoring the, the, the church of God that makes sense because he's so closely identified and he, he yeah yeah so I just feel there's a real this isn't a message to make you give more this is a message to say why are you giving it's a message to say are you giving to honor him because I think if you give that way you're going to give more anyhow what value do you really have for him and his love and his presence and what he's done for you, salvation, his, his gloriousness? Well, let's give, not because, well, the need motivates me. No, because he does. And on the other side, let's not not give just because our circumstances change, because he still is worthy. Let's give to honor, honor others, honor God. And let let the tithes come in the storehouse, which is the Old Testament verse, because then there'll be no need in the house. And that's the intention. Uh, that is the intention, that everything that needs to be done through the church of God can be done because the people of God are giving to God by giving into the church, which releases it to do all it's called to do. 
And one of the reasons things don't happen is because resources get scattered rather than gathered. The end. Yeah, end a minute. Can we, I think we need to pray for ourselves. You need to pray for me. That was a scary message to preach. Can we, can we stand... Okay, uh, probably good to just take this to God and say, God, where's, am I giving, if I'm giving, what is it to, God, help me get my innards, innards adjusted to honor, to value, to give according to my revelation. If I'm not doing so well on that, then show me more, Lord. Is that, is that okay? Just, just pray for yourself. It helps to lay hands on yourself. You can do that. I don't know why it helps me sometimes. Heavenly Father, thanks. Thanks for your presence. We do value you. We do honor you. Huh. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord. We, Lord, I want to pray for me and this amazing church that you're rising up. Lord, help us to give at that higher level. Help us help us to be giving to you. Huh. Because we love you. Because we've got free hearts. Because we're just like, wow, you're amazing. Here, God, here's some of my money. <laughs> Lord, I pray for that kind of freedom to come, that kind of focus to come, that kind of posture to be present in us as we think about how we give and, and what we give. Heavenly Father, we want to we break through any kind of meanness that might rest on uh, in the culture. Lord, Lord we want to break through any disappointment where people have given things that went wrong. Lord, I pray for a breakthrough there that they see it was all given to you, it all counts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. We want to do it this way. We want to give to honor. Thanks. Kat, do you want to bring those things you have? Um, during the worship, I was asking God about the freedom that I felt he was speaking over us. And um, I felt there was three particular groups of people that he wants to bring freedom to. Uh, and not knowing what Andy was going to preach on, it's interesting that the first one of those was um, people that need financial freedom. Um, and so I don't know whether that is you need finances released over you or you need freedom from worrying about money. Um, the second one was freedom um, to forgive so that you could forgive other people and let go of some stuff so that God can then bring some new stuff into your life. Uh, and the third one of those was um, mental freedom as well. So for those of you that feel very much trapped in your minds um, and in darkness and depression, God wants to be able to free you as well. I think we should pray for Teesside and then we'll wrap it up and if you want to respond to any of those then come and talk to Kat and some others will pray with you. Do you want to pray for me? Yeah. Lord, uh, that prophetic word came back to bite us in the bum 
Lord, I was so provoked when the guys came and shared, Lord Jesus. And we just pray for Teesside, Lord. We're provoked by their outstanding example, Father. Not being well off, but hearing a word from you and responding in such a wholehearted fashion. Lord Jesus, we want that for ourselves. But more than that, we want to pray for Teesside, that you would break over them your spirit of generosity, Lord. We pray that you would change the culture. We pray every member in the church would prosper. We pray for job promotions. We pray for new jobs. We pray for bonuses. We pray for inheritances. We pray for properties to go up in value. We pray you would prosper them, more importantly, spiritually, Lord. And we pray that you would break over them the whole spirit and the whole poverty mentality the area. And we pray that they would shine with your glory and your generosity and your power and your grace. Father, add to them in every way you possibly can, Lord Jesus. Bless them and bless them and bless them again, Father. And we thank you for their inspiring example, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are you happy? Can you sound happy? Just help me going. Okay, let's go and enjoy refreshments. If you want some prayer on the back of those words of knowledge or anything else, then Kat's going to come out, maybe one or two others over that way there. If they've got a yellow badge, that's our ministry team. Let them pray with you. That would be fantastic. Thanks, guys.